Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Join our hosts as they discuss a wide range of topics and speak with leading cybersecurity, technology, and compliance experts. Now is the time for Secure Talk. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Secure Talk. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'm here with Hiram Machado. Hiram, how are you today? I'm doing good. What about you, Mark? Very good, very good. Hey, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about data protection, and then we're going to look at some different aspects of data protection. But to start things off, um, how important is data protection these days? I mean, traditionally, when we talk about cybersecurity, a lot of people have taken the the stance that protecting your network is the key. Um, in our previous episode, we talked about protecting identity, right? Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of talk also about protecting your data. How important is protecting your data, Hiro? Well, ultimately, isn't it what uh, cyber attackers are looking for, right? Mm-hmm. It's, ultimately, it's the data that you host that is that has potentially some monetary value for those cyber attacks. Can you, give, right? can you give some examples of what type of data might have monetary value? I mean, it might be obvious to some people listening, but there might be there might be types of data that we wouldn't even think about that mm-hmm. has value. That is true, and uh, well, the, the the most common one is is any sort of financial data, right? Mm-hmm. So when you get access to uh, bank accounts and uh, information um, uh, transactions that you're doing over the internet, also uh, any what we call PAI information, right? Personal identifiable information, right? And, and again, with personal identifiable information, they can start to emulate being you over the internet and be able to perhaps create transactions over the internet emulating being you, impersonate you pretty much on the internet. There are also data that are sensitive data that can be top secrets from governments, right? As we have seen some stories around you know, uh, top secret data, so, or industry insights, or, or corporation strategies, right? Those are all the type of data that there may be value to um, another to, group of people who might want to get a hold of that data. Yeah, so what you're saying is some of the data that they would steal, they could use it um, to gain some financial advantage, uh, possibly emulate you for, to create some financial transaction on your behalf uh, towards that to them so they can... Uh, basically defraud you of money, um, or maybe it's some type of industry or trade secret. Um, another example might be, for example, with the ransomware, where the attackers are not actually using the data, they're just encrypting your data so you can no longer have access to it, right? And a lot of businesses these days run on data, run on information, and if they can access your data, your sensitive data, and encrypt it and force you to pay a ransom to get access to it again, mm-hmm. then you're in a tough spot. And that is what happened to Sony a few years ago, right? The, uh, Sony was a, a, a victim of a handsome attack. Basically, they got a hold of all of their data, including new release that they were going to, to publish. And uh, they demand a, a payment for them not to release that information. And, and, and until Sony complied with it, they start releasing and caused major, major uh, um, revenue loss mm-hmm. to Sony. It's, it's, uh, there is no way to even quantify how much revenue Sony may have lost with that, with that incident. Okay, um, so data 
is important. That's our takeaway here, right? So what are some of the different strategies that companies are adopting in order to protect their data? Mm. Okay, now again, traditionally, people would say, well, we have to protect our, our network, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, we're gonna keep everything on-prem and we're gonna lock it up in a room and, you know, only allow very limited access to it. Uh, but these days with <laughs> mobile devices, bring your own devices, internet of thing, data, second party, third party apps, data is flowing everywhere. Um, yeah, yeah. at the speed of data. What are organizations doing to, to protect that data, but at the same time still give access to it? Right, yeah. I don't think there is one silver bullet, right? And there's no one one single thing that you can do mm-hmm. that's going to protect your data. Uh, in fact, I think uh, uh, usually when you look at, at a cyber attack, when a successful cyber attack, it's usually not, it's never one single thing <laughs> that led to that deficiency in the, it's a stack of things that you, you could have done to protect your data. So encryption is one of them, right? So thinking about encryption and which data you want to encrypt. And there is encryption at different levels. For instance, you can think of encryption in terms of encryption while the data is in transit. You can think of encryption while the data is at rest, right? And, uh, and you need to think in all of those different aspects as, as data, like you said, Mark, Data must flow, right? right? Otherwise, most of the time, the data won't have any value to you if the data is just sitting somewhere, right? right. The data has value because you, you can manipulate that data and, and, and send it around. So now we need to think about every time you transact the data from one place to another, how is that transaction taking place? So encryption is one of the basic things. Yeah, but right? you can't encrypt everything, can you? I mean, or can you? Or do you? Should you? I mean, how do you decide? Yeah, that's a good question. How do you decide? Well, you, you need to look at the value of the data, right? It, you have to have an understanding of what kind of data you, you, you hold and what's the value of that data to others. Right? Well, who makes that decision? Well, every organization will have to either have people on staff or, or work with consultants who can help them understand and evaluate the value. It's usually part of the InfoSec, right? The information security team that will help assess the value of the data. But it is a business uh, uh, decision, though. It's not, this is not a tech decision. Mm-hmm. It's a business decision that should evaluate and understand what's the value of this data, how much I want to protect it, and what's the best way to go about and protect it. Okay, so, so let me back up a little bit on this because I can see this issue facing a lot of organizations and I can also see a lot of organizations going, okay, uh, who's, who's the stakeholder here? Whose job is this? Um, how do we decide what data we need to protect? And at what level do we need to either enforce that protection or offer that protection? And then what tools do we use to actually implement that? So let's go through this in stages. Sure. Um, let's talk about a mid-sized, uh, lar- mid-sized to large organizations, multiple offices, tens of thousands of peoples or two to 2,000 on up, okay? Mm-hmm. And they, somebody says, you know, we need to protect our data, okay? They're, I'm sure they're already thinking about it, but who in that organization is ultimately going to be responsible in your experience? Right. Well, first of all, uh, we need to bring awareness to the executive team mm-hmm. that data is important or cybersecurity in general is important. And that's something that must be at the mind of every executive. Okay. That's my, my first take on it. Um, 
once those executives are aware of how important cybersecurity in general is, now they are the ones who is going to help decide what's the value of the data that they have in their hands. But you know, what do they do? give me some examples of people, what jobs, what, what you know. Oh, I'm talking about the executive team. So you include the HR leader, includes the, whomever it is, okay, whatever level you have on your organization. The HR leaders, the CFO, the CIO, the CEO, right? Mm-hmm. So basically I'm talking about the C-level, right? Okay. That C-level must have understanding, right, that cybersecurity is something important, right? And, uh, and they must be the, the, the guide of but, but, but what's who, important what's who, not. Who's driving this? So that's, I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. Because I, I can see people saying, well, yeah, data is important. But who's going to drive the implementation and the development of some type of data protection policy and actual uh, implementing with different yeah. tools? Who usually would drive that? Would that be your CTO? Would that be your CISO? <clears throat> um, your, da- your data uh, protection officer? Yeah. Most likely it falls under the, the role of the CIO, right? And okay. the CIO may or may not have a CISO working for him, right? Okay. Uh, CISO as in Chief Information Security Officer, right. okay? Um, some organizations will have a CISO, some won't. If, there is, if a CISO is in play, uh, most likely that CISO will be responsible for the implementation of that security. He's not the one calling out what's important, what's not. That's something that the executive team, the leadership team must understand and be able to guide what kind of information they are dealing with that must be protected and, and what's the level of importance. Um, but the CISO will guide the actual implementation of what security controls you want to have around those data, right? Mm-hmm. What, incri- what, what kind of encryption we should have mm-hmm. um, and how that data will be transacted between the different systems that the organization might have. Okay, so let's say you've got buy-in from the executive team. They say, you know what, we need to protect our data. And you're the CIO or the CISO, and they said, you know what, Hiram, this is your job. Okay? Now, what what's your next step? Is that going to be like mapping out the business requirements in terms of this data is important, this right. data is not as important, right. this data we need to protect to the highest degree possible? Mm. I mean, what's the next step? Yeah, uh, uh, probably a good step would be a, a in, put together an inventory of what data you have, right? Okay. So the executive might know from a high-level perspective, we have you know sensitive data in this area. We have sensitive data around our um, IP uh, about our the products that we are developing. We have sensitive data about our employees. And now you have an, a sense which categories of data that are sensitive and the company wants to protect. Is that all? Is that a manual process, or can you, is it can it be automated to some degree? Or I mean, you know, what are some some processes for discovering your data? Yeah. For, for discovering the data, it, it can definitely be automated, right? And uh, there are tools out there. You can use um, uh, third-party uh, tools that, that scan your network and, and look for specific uh, um, type of information in different locations of your network and builds up an inventory of where the data might be, right? Okay. As a CISO or CIO, once I have the inventory in hands, now I can build a roadmap of you know, implementation of security controls around each one of the of that data okay. that I want to protect and how I want to protect that data. Does that make sense to you? Yes. And so let's say now we've mapped out the type of data that we have uh, and the various locations of that data. Uh, we've run a scan to verify and also maybe uncover some other data that we weren't aware of. Okay. 
Now the next step would be to basically classify that data um, and and then attach some labels to it with mm -hmm. policies. Is that yeah. right? On classification is is probably the the basic. There are tools out there such as uh, DLP, data loss prevention, is one of the capabilities that you can implement on your on your network, and that will help you classify those data. And uh, and once you classify them, right, for each type of classification you can come up with the different policies and how that data will be handled. For example, you might want to decide whether the data can be uh, uh, shared with people outside of your organization or not, right? Uh, even internally inside the organization, you might want to define who specifically has access to the, that, that data or not. And that's how we go about it. So again, that goes back to kind of a business decision around what kind of policies I wanted to... Um, Put behind each one of those labels, but uh, that's th that would be the next step of okay, getting. Okay, so data walk content. me through a real life example of how, um, let's just say we attached a label that said um, confidential to a document, um, and how does that label get attached? Okay, confidential means let's just say in our case the policy is force encrypt do not allow to share outside of organization. Mm -hmm. Let's just say that's the policy that we attach to that label of, of confidential. Walk me through um, a use case of you know how a document, how a label would get attached to that document, okay, how yeah. the policies uh, enforced, yeah. etc. Yeah, the label uh, with the right tools in place, right? The label can be attached to the document in many different ways, right? Number one, it can be manually added, right? You're writing a document, a Word document, an Excel file, uh, 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 Adobe file, whatever it is that you're working on, and uh, you can manually, right? Uh, you have controls attached to your application that you manually add that um, label of confidential in this case, right, mm -hmm. to the document. Uh, another way uh, of doing it is automatic, automatically identify, right? If the systems that are using the right systems, it can automatically identify keywords in your document that will flag to the system that that document is has confidential information. So, for example... For example, social security, right? Okay, uh, so if it recognizes that, hey, this is a... Uh, was this it is a, likely a, a social security number. How many, how many, eight four plus two plus... Yeah. Three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're yeah, obviously the, not really, <laughs> really secure with our social security numbers right here. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, we have DLP though that would, would that will recognize it for us, right? Because right? you and I wouldn't. But so 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 um, the the DLP tool would recognize that hey, this is a a, a number that social security that matches the um, the the configuration of social security number. Hey, and flag it, right. and then and then either auto um, recommend an encryption or force an encryption. Or force right? encryption, yes. Okay. And, and again, it comes back to which kind of policy you want to implement on your organization. You can give the user the ability to overwrite the recommendation that the system is giving you or not. Okay. And in that case, as long as there is a social security-like number typed in, it will be uh, uh, flagged as confidential. Okay. And, and once it's flagged as confidential, uh, in terms of what happens to the document afterwards, it can be as simple as just put a watermark calling it confidential, mm -hmm. if that's all that you want to do. It can be put a watermark and encrypt the file. It can be it put a watermark, encrypt the file, and prevent that file from being forwarded to anybody else outside of the organization. 
Now, those are policies that can be set up in the back end that it's up to each organization to define. And will that, that policy uh, travel with the document? So I create a document. It has um, confidential policy attached to it, which limits what I can and can't do with it. I forward that document to you. Does the policy travel with it? Yeah, the technology that you are using, uh, you, you want to make sure that it, it, it is implemented in such a way that, yes, it does travel with the document. The document that you create, the data that you create, especially we're talking about unstructured data, right? Mm -hmm. When you're creating PowerPoints, Word documents, Excel files, uh, Acrobat files, or whatever it is, right? In, chances are that that document will, f will travel around or through different mediums, right? Uh, once you send it to an, another employee in your organization, he might open that document in his you know, phone, right, or tablet, uh, or from the computer at home. Uh, whatever it is that he opens that file from, you want to make sure that those policies and those, um, uh, uh, the, the, uh, those encryptions and policies and whatever it is that you can do with the file is attached to the file. Okay. Right? Okay, so right now you're talking about DLP, data loss prevention tools. Um, what about some other ways to protect your data? For example, and I mean, maybe this is also a DLP tool or not, but let's just say um, I have, my company allows BYOD, bring, my, bring own your device. own device. Yeah. Um, I, on my device, I have personal content. I have company documents and data. W what can the company do? Yeah, well, by having the right labels um, in place, you can more easily identify what's personal data and what's business-related data. And, um, and having the right um, infrastructure in place for cybersecurity, uh, you can create the ability to even wipe out company data from remote uh, um, devices. Okay, right? so what you're saying is, I've got a bunch of documents, company documents, on my iPhone. Right. Uh, it's my device. I've got my, my own apps, the company apps there. And I have, uh, again, a bunch of company data there. I decide to quit the company. The company decides to quit me. And boom, the company can remote wipe. Uh, yes, or your device is stolen or, or oh, okay. goes Fair unaccounted enough. for. Yeah. Right? And uh, in that case, yes, as, as soon as the device comes live, um, with the right infrastructure in place, the company will be able to wipe out data. And re remember, and also the data should be also encrypted. So number right. one is they need to have the credentials to access the data. Number two, if they can access the data, they will have to unencrypt it. Number three, you have the ability to wipe it out anyway. So those are three layers of protection that you can have okay. right there. Can we talk a little bit about the role of AI uh, in protecting data? specifically mm -hmm. around the area uh, in the context of sharing files, downloading files. Mm -hmm. Yeah. AI is, uh, is growing in importance when it comes to protecting data. Uh, of course, a AI is a, is a new technology, right? In, by AI, we're talking about artificial intelligence. I want to make sure that everybody knows that. But uh, artificial intelligence is, is just being infused in almost everything that we are doing or producing in our days, right? Mm -hmm. And security is no different. And is is trying to take advantage of that capability as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So AI is really about the ability of understanding uh, user behavior. And uh, and if you're working on a on a organization and you have a uh, 
chances are that, that, that there are things that you do inside the network that are a problem, a pattern. You, you, you know that you come here every day, you access certain servers every day, and you execute on certain tasks every day, right? Whichever your job might be in that organization. Now, uh, if out of the sudden, right, you are doing something different with the right AI and machine learning capabilities in place, uh, the machine have tracked your behavior, right? And when it, it realized that you're doing something different, for example, you may go to another you know, internal site of your organization and start to download a bunch of files, right? right? That can automatically be flagged as a anomalous behavior, right? Okay. And say, oh, Mark is now <laughs> doing something different than what you know, he used to do every day. Uh, shall we check this out, right? And that open, opens up a flag and that can be um, act upon in, in, in different ways, right? It can be act upon by just alerting uh, a administrator of the network and say, hey, Mark is now downloading. It can be act upon by uh, stopping that download immediately, put the user, in this case Mark, in the date in quarantine, right? Mm -hmm. Until somebody can check mm -hmm. and verify that that's legitimate. Uh, or it can just prevent it altogether. From, from that to happen. So those are the kind of things that AI, with AI, we'll be able to, to do better and better. So it's, it's, it's monitoring and then predicting or, or observing that anomalous behavior and then forcing some type of action. And the company, again, is going to decide the policy right, based right. upon this type of anomalous behavior. Maybe we lock things down uh, or maybe we just, you know, force an MFA or maybe we just raise a flag and somebody can investigate. Right, right. right. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, uh, any other things about data protection or new trends, technologies, ideas that um, you'd like to share? Yeah, I think uh, it's important for... for you know, we we always talk about uh, security or cybersecurity in terms of you know all the different pillars of cybersecurity. We talk about identity in the last episode. Uh, we are talking about data protection right now. Threat protection is another one, and, and infrastructure protection is another one. So uh, it, it's important that um, uh, that everybody looking at cybersecurity as a, as a holistically needs to think through all of those pillars, and uh, and data protection in itself is one is one pillar that you wanna. Um, pay attention to and, and take care of. Okay. Um, any thoughts to, you know, is it easier to protect your data if it's on-premise or is it easier if it's in the cloud? I mean, a lot of, you know, traditionally people say, well, if it's important, we want to keep it um, guarded. Yeah, guarded, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in, in, our, in our server room on-site surrounded by armed guards. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, that's an interesting, interesting topic. I think there is still a lot of uh, there is still different thoughts out there, in terms of in terms of what's more secure. Uh, one interesting article I read another day is that even the the major uh, sensitive government agencies right now are starting to migrate to the cloud because they believe they're going to be more secure on the cloud than they are okay. with their on premise. And we are talking about organizations with you know huge amount of budget for for cybersecurity right. where where security is, is at the core of everything that they do and yet they are starting to migrate to the cloud so my sense is uh, we are in, in a transitional period where not long ago uh, um, cloud was not as secure as it, it, it is now was and it not as secure or not as 
not perceived to be as secure? Uh, I would say, you know, as you know, people only put their people only put, you know, you are not going to spend twenty dollars, right, to secure a one dollar bill. Right. Right. <laughs> you want to only put the amount of secure that you want that secure. If you go back ten years ago, the data available in cloud platforms was not as much as it is today. Right. So as times goes by, more and more data is now in the cloud security. Therefore, more and more, more and more money and investment goes into protecting that data. Oh, makes sense. Right. Right. So uh, I, I mean, just if you like, look at if you look at Microsoft, for example, I mean, they've invested huge amounts of money. I think you said something they're, they're investing close to a billion dollars a year into security and security related products. And we know how important the cloud or the, you know, the, the cloud business is to Microsoft. Microsoft Azure is, is possibly maybe their most important business play right now. Um, and so, but maybe six, seven years ago, they didn't have that commitment towards the movement to the cloud, right? Correct. Yeah. And that's why I would say, yes, it is more secure today than it used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, five, ten years ago, it's getting to a point where there is, you know, almost uh, no one can match with their own resources and people, you know, the same level of security that the major cloud providers, you know, can afford to put in place. That that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, one last thing before we wrap things up: it, data protection uh, and data loss prevention are both really important. Um, and in the same context, uh, or in rela- relation to that, GDPR is also kind of a timely um, event that very much relates to both cybersecurity and data protection, and especially when it comes to um, personal data related to an EU resident. What are your thoughts in terms of the importance of data protection uh, in relation to GDPR, which if people don't know, it's the general data protection regulations that are coming out of EU. They become effective May 25th, 2018. And if you're found to be non-compliant, you, your organization could face huge fines up to 4% of global revenues and $20 million, whatever, or million euros, whatever is greater. So it's really important. And a big part of that is protecting an individual's data, right? Right. But earlier we were talking about enterprise data. Is there a difference? Are there different techniques, different tools in, that are required? I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, Mark, I think we're going to have to have another episode on GDPR alone, okay. right? Okay. <laughs> well, we will do that. That's a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> that we can go on and on with GDPR here now, right now. But from, from the surface, and just a very brief thought on, on GDPR, um, well, it is all about data, right? Okay. Uh, at the end of the day, GDPR is trying to, is bringing together uh, a privacy controls with uh, data p- protection, right? And mm-hmm. putting regulations around those kind of things. So at the end of the day, GDPR is really addressing primarily sensitive data, right? Data that can identify an individual, primarily, you know, um, an EU resident. A EU resident. Uh, however, uh, it's one of the first uh, global uh, regulation that affects everybody around the globe, anybody who is hosting or handling data from EU residents, right, in whichever country they might be. So it's a very important regulation. There is a lot of attention to it. It's going to become enforceable in May 2018. And uh, in data protection or protecting those sensitive data is the primary reason for GDPR. 
Right. So right. absolutely, it's something that we need to yeah, and expand on. And, 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 and again, we'll probably talk more about this in, a, in another uh, podcast, but I, I think of, of organizations, they protect their data. They want to protect their data, but now you have an obligation to protect the data of other people um, if they're EU residents. And not only do you have a duty to protect that data, you have a duty to be able to identify and report on that data and say, hey, here I'm, we have your data here, and here's exactly what we have, and here's why we have it. And if you say, hey, Mark, um, I want you to change that data, okay, so I have to do that, right? right. And so that's the right of rectification. There's also the right to be forgotten, which means, Mark, uh, you, know, you say to me, I want you to delete my data, and which is is related to data protection, but also involves identification and reporting on that data, right? right yeah. And are the same tools being used, or is it different tools? Well, there is a, a lot of the tools can overlap in terms okay. of the traditional tools for cybersecurity, but there are some, uh, some conditions right now that are forcing a lot of organizations to rethink the deployment of those tools and how they're going about those tools. When, you talk, when we talk about uh, reporting, for example, uh, there is one aspect is to report back to the individual who has the right to know which data you have about him, right, and uh, how much data you have around, uh, about him and what you do with that data. And you must have the ability to report to him exactly what you have and where you have that data, but also the ability to report to the authorities mm -hmm. that you are taking the proper steps, right, and you have done your homework around putting the appropriate security around that data. Right. Right. And then if there's a breach, you may have to notify both the authorities and any individuals whose data may have been compromised as well, right? And so you need tools in place to do that as well, right? Yeah, and depending on the nature of the breach, you you, you have a certain amount of time to, you know, to reach out to the individuals who may have been affected and report on that. So data is just becoming more and more important nowadays, especially with these new regulations coming up. Awesome. So if you didn't get the message, basically data is important and you need to adopt the right tools, techniques, policies to protect that data. Um, I have to apologize. Earlier on, I forgot to mention that, uh, that SecureTalk is sponsored by AdaQuest and uh, AdaQuest is a Microsoft partner for both security and compliance. And Hiram is the CEO of AdaQuest and will be coming back on all of our, many of our future podcasts to talk to us about related issues. Hiram, any parting words? I uh, just want to thank you for, uh, for this, and I look forward to the next several podcasts that we're going to be putting together. Great. Until, until then, stay secure. Cheers, everybody. Bye. Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Join our hosts as they discuss a wide range of topics and speak with leading cybersecurity, technology, and compliance experts. Now is the time for Secure Talk.